Welcome to Leadership is No Accident. I'm Andy Robbins, and in each episode, leaders from all kinds of backgrounds share their stories of leading change. We explore what got them started, help them stick with it, and what ultimately fueled them to achieve their goals. We cover all of this and a whole lot more so you too can be a change leader. joined today by Franz Maruna, the founder and CEO of Portland Labs, the creators of the Concrete 5 open source web platform. Concrete 5 is used by millions of people today, but you wouldn't have believed that back in 2008 when Franz was almost ready to give up on it. He actually started giving it away and in the process created a major open source community. Let's hear from Franz. Thank you, Franz, for joining me today. Tell us about the change that you've been leading. Uh, well, hi, Andy. Our organization, Portland Labs, we're here to build a web for the greatest good. Our goal is to make the internet and the web and the digital communications between people easy for everyone and built in a way that makes it good for everyone, really ensures that it is a, a, a quality communication medium and it lets people get across their point and make the world a better place. That sounds a pretty lofty goal. Yeah, so tell me more about that. Yeah, you're, you're, we're, we're very busy. Uh, <laughs> so we, uh, some of the ways that we do that, we, we run a content management system called Concrete 5. You know, that is a building material for making websites. And that building material is open source. So that means it's free. You can use it anywhere. You can do anything you want with it. And it lets you build a website that's really easy for anyone to use. So you don't have to spend a lot of time training people. You don't have to only work with people who have a technical background. If you can use a word processor, you can add pages and change content around uh, using Concrete 5. So that's kind of a currency in which we deal in, in terms of trying to make the web a better place today. And that, to me, sounds like so much of an understatement in what you're describing, because it sounds like you've created a whole open source platform. You know, I think of WordPress as a really big open source platform, and, and there's Concrete 5, which is another platform, which that seems like a, a huge accomplishment. What got you started going down this path? And was that always your goal? Uh, no, I, that, that's very nice of you, Andy. I'd like to uh, say, yeah, for sure, we just killed it. But no, I mean, I think uh, life unfolds in front of you, right? So I grew up surrounded by computers. Uh, my dad ran a manufacturing software company. So I was, I was programming when I was six or seven, and I was always kind of surrounded by cool gear and the challenges of running a, a development crew. I wasn't a great engineer. And so when the web came out in 94, 95, that was my first year of college. And uh, I was one of those guys that dropped out and went to pursue my fortune building websites. So I've done just about every job you can in the, in the web industry as those jobs matured out of, we were all web masters to begin with. And then there was information architects and web developers and front end engineers and back end engineers. I've seen all that stuff come up. And now I, I run Portland Labs. So we started as a full service interactive media shop in the early aughts. If you could click it, we could build it. 
And out of that work, uh, we developed a tool set of kind of common solutions. We didn't really like some of the, the content management systems that were out there for building websites uh, when we started. So we made our own. And lots of folks have done this. I mean, there are tens of thousands of, of content management systems if you go search for uh, in GitHub. Ours was really built from the bottom up to build pixel-perfect websites for agencies. We needed something that was flexible. That the core things like permissions and, and input-output and, and, and the way you kind of dealt with data structured nicely so you could build websites that looked anyway. It wasn't a, a particular project that turned into a CMS. It was a building material for websites from, from the get-go, kind of where we got our name, Concrete. And so it worked well for us. And in 2008, the Great Recession, we just gave it away free and open source, frankly, because we um, ran out of money. I mean, it wasn't a master plan. I'm not a genius. It was just the next thing to do. And it just took off from there. And we've been riding that wave ever since. You know, it's fascinating that you talk about external circumstances driving change, which then opens up new opportunities. You know, I think we're in one of those times right now with COVID-19 where a lot of things are going to happen um, that wouldn't have happened otherwise, which is like necessity is the mother of invention. Oh, for sure. And, and you know, um, I mean, this challenging times and really hard, you know, especially on folks who have an established system that works. But yeah, if you're scrappy and you don't have a lot of existing responsibilities, you've got some can-do attitude and some knowledge, this is an exciting time. I mean, my wife is doing Pilates over Zoom uh, directly with instructors that don't need to rent a space, you know? And she says it's harder than going to the space with the reformer on the wall. She's like, this is brutal upstairs on the yoga mat, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, what I, I heard today that there's like a farm that is doing um, – you know, they're used to people kind of sponsoring an animal and come visiting the animal, you know. That's, that model's dead right now. Uh, but they'll do uh, goat-to meetings, and, uh, and they'll bring a goat or a farm animal to your Zoom call or whatever conference line you've got, uh, which, you know, any number of businesses that are trying to lighten the mood on a Friday staff meeting, okay. Like, they're making a buck at that. So there's, there's definitely opportunities for new hustle with any change. Necessity certainly is the mother of invention, and there's a whole bunch of stories I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna hear about. But, but let's go back to, so you said 2008, you're, you're giving it away. You know, you've described that there are just thousands of I don't know, CMS systems that are out there, but you're just not one of you know just not another CMS system. You're one of the leaders out there, and light years away from where you were in 2008. How, how did you get to where you are today? I mean, I'm sure that wasn't a straight line journey. Oh, no, it's never a straight line up and to the right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think you, you invest in making something really good, and then you wait for uh, life to give you the opportunity. And, and, and mostly you just need to be uh, – aware and kind of knowing what to look for because it's often right there when we went open source in 2008 we we had already been a commercial product like we had sold it as just kind of the the framework that our agency used and we've been doing that for like five years so we had a pretty mature code base for an open source project it was super mature right like sure there's 10,000 
things that call themselves a CMS, but that's because one person built it and it failed as whatever its first idea was. So then you stick it on GitHub, call it a CMS, and it's good. So we, we already kind of hit the gate with a, a, a lead start, you know, more than a decade ago. Um, and then of course that makes a compelling story, right? Because you're sitting there, you know, as a brand new product that no one's heard about, but you've got, uh, it, it works, it's fully featured, it does. We started with in-context editing as kind of the, the premise of our whole system of that. If you're on a page, you should have a toolbar and you should be able to change the content on the page right there. And this was before Squarespace or Wix or Weebly or any of those kind of web builders that do that today. And pretty much all of your other choices for a CMS had a, a separate backend. So, you know, much like uh, you know, with a printing press, you have to lay all of your text backwards and it's made of lead and you have to cover it with ink and then you press it down on a piece of paper and you get a printed page. And so it's this kind of front-end, back-end system. And that's really where the, the CMS market was when we went open source in 2008. And, and we had in-context editing working and we had it working well because we had done that for five years for clients like, uh, like Kettle Foods here in Portland. We built all their web stuff as, as full-service shop. We did work with the Ad Council. We did work with startups that um, you know nationally known like Lemonade and independent music labels. So we had like a, a, a pretty nice working product when we gave it away. Um, and that just gives you a huge boost of kind of, of attention and, and interest that you can then go capture and take to the next level that you need to figure out a way to get noticed at. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you shared that because I think you're talking about something that's really important here. This, you know, I mentioned that you didn't have a straight line getting you from where you were way back to where you are now, it seems as though you you built things or things happened and then you took advantage of them. You know, I'm, I'm curious, looking back now, what are the things that helped you create what you've created right now? Because as you say, you didn't start out saying, hey, we're gonna create this big open source CMS platform called Concrete Five. Were there any really big pivot points? Really big pivot points. That's an interesting question, Andy. So, I mean, there were huge mistakes and there were huge victories, right? I mean, there's, um, I remember we, we landed the Planned Parenthood, all of Planned Parenthood's web presence uh, back in, gosh, when did we do that? 2010 or 11, probably 12, something in there. We, we got it for what us at the time was a huge gig to rebuild all of Planned Parenthood's work, sure. uh, which, which to me, I mean, was, uh, was a real win. Uh, my politics aren't probably a, a huge secret. So that was very, very exciting. You know, we've, we've had huge distractions. We focused on building a, uh, uh, an iPad sales app from some work that we built out for another client that just ended up being not at all helpful to what we needed to do and consume probably half a year of energy or more. And uh, it was a tremendous distraction, but you know, I, I, we learned from that experience. I think one of the best marketing promotion websites I ever built was for that iPad sales app. And um, you know, I, I think you can find as much value in the, the, the kind of experiences that you've had along the way that are not, towards you're not positive like i don't know if i even really would buy into that i think it's all just kind of paths through the woods so 
Um, right. It depends on how you look at it. You might find one day that you're working on a project that you just find tedious and less than the effort of your time. And then have an experience driving home and realize the next day that, you know, this is, a, this is your opportunity to shine. If you, not even if you do different work, just if you, if you see it differently. I remember, here's the best way I can explain this idea. I remember when we were, things were first taking off for us going open source. We had downsized. So every one of these things comes with an up and a down. We had, when we went open source, we were probably 13, 14 people, 2007. All of our clients were startups. And our model was, we can build your goofy napkin idea, right? 50 grand, I can build your startup idea. You go get more money from your investors. 200 grand, I can fix all of the mistakes that we made. And then we'll get to series B and start building a business together. And, it, and, I've, and, and we did that through the mid-aughts, you know, half a dozen times. And we always did a really good job on the, on the first 50 grand, right? An amazing prototype. Oh my God, this is so cool. We'll get the idea. And then we would do a good job on the second thing, but we had to pay back some technical debt. You know, we had built this thing in four weeks or six weeks to impress your, your, your people. So now that folks were actually using it, we had to go add features that weren't quite as sexy, but were very much needed, but it just doesn't have as much oomph. And then what would invariably happen is either it would take off, okay, this is great, let's go raise some big money and make it a business, in which case, why are you working with this third-party firm that is charging you time material rates, you know, if you're able to secure series B or big, big, securities, big series A money, you're going to hire a dev team and your own designer. Why, why wouldn't you? You don't need to work with Franz at Portland Labs. Or it wouldn't be sticky. And so, you know, we would build our way out of a client. And so, you know, it just wasn't a great business model that was going to scale for us. But it was an awesome adventure, and we learned an awful lot making stuff. So if you look at it that way, it's an absolute win. But we had downsized out of that, that company, and, we, you know, we had gone from 13 people to two or three. And we went open source and started taking off and brought in my buddy who's a, a programmer first but was willing to do support and we're, we're we've launched the marketplace probably 2009 we're you know we're trying to treat everybody who comes to our site as, a, as if we would have treated one of our big startup clients before you know we're gonna answer every post we're gonna try to know you by name we're gonna get you on IM and talk about your kids like perfect account management and and support and it's exhausting. And, and this developer holds me aside one day and says, Franz, I just, the support it is killing me. I feel like every day I wake up and there's this list of problems. And, you know, I answer each one of them. I mean, the people are thankful, but they just come back with more the next day. And you got to find someone to help. And it's like, all right, all right, I get it. And so I go out, you know, hire, and I'm interviewing to try to hire a support engineer like I still need you to be pretty technical but I need you to like support and so in my kind of key questions like how's this interview gonna go I mean I'm like well you know why do you want to do support because often it, it is a challenge and I get this guy and I swear to god dude, he used the exact same words he's just like well what I love about support is every day there is a list of problems and I get to solve them and the people are thankful and they come back for more. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I need to hire you. Uh, it's all how you see it.
I think you're you're spot on because what you're what you're saying there is you know you can learn something from every experience. It might suck. That's right. But there is something to be learned from that, which might be don't ever do that again. Don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think we've we've both had a number of those for sure. Yeah, but you can open that up. How did we get into that? Why did we do that in the first place? And well, there are other things that maybe I can do differently. And, oh, okay. Well, now I know to what were we think this way instead of that. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I think that's the key. You just got to keep, keep poking and every hit you take is just an opportunity to do a little better next time. Yeah. I mean, if I look back at your, what you're saying about in 2008, it would have been easy just to say, I'm just going to pack it up. But you know, what I, what I heard you say is, Hey, we just tried something different and we learned and then we learned from the next thing. You know, my wife said something the other day. She said, if you do nothing, you learn nothing. Spot on. So I'm curious, you know, I work with a lot of people who grow the, grow their business and it starts out with them and, you know, they're bootstrapping it. And then before they know it, they have an organization. And what they're doing now is very different than what they did when they started out. I, I was looking back at one of your blog posts from 10 years ago that started out by saying, Great. I'm from, I used to be a developer, now I write emails. <laughs> That's how true. How has your job changed? Oh, how's my job changed? Do you, do you, I don't code do at all emails anymore. These days? <laughs> I just write emails. I write requirements documents too. So that's nice. Requirements documents are actually really cool. They're like writing code, but um, just at a higher level. But they, they are like writing code, just in, in, in strict English as opposed to any, any kind of particular syntax. Yeah, what, I mean, what is my job? I think the, it's a bit of jack of all trades and it's always been that way. Uh, you know, when I dropped out of college, I could do any part of the gig. When I moved out to Portland in the late 90s, like it was all still very ad agency driven. There weren't really focused web shops. You were just an ad agency that might have a digital component. And that digital component was often just some freelancers. And I was one of those freelancers. So you could bring me in in a suit and I would talk strategy to Tektronics, or you could bring me in in a hoodie and I would fix your flash animation for you. Like I would just, I would figure it out. And so um, I've just gone from doing, I think, lots of anything to a little bit of most things. My day is usually pretty varied. I'll be touching on design things. Um, I'll be touching on technical things. I'll be touching on process things. I'll be touching on sales things. I just won't be in charge of getting it fully done. Um, I won't be doing much hands-on. I'll just be kind of providing commentary. I'm like the Tim Dunn uh, I, I come by and go, yeah, I don't know. This, this feels like you might want to do it like that and, and then come back later and see if, if uh, how's it still going. You know, many startup leaders feel like they have to have their hands in everything. And many of them, they never take their hands off the wheel. Their hands are dirty every day. Um, sounds like you've been able to let go a little bit. How's that been like? that's been awesome. Like, I think the more you can let go, the better, because there's plenty to worry about. So there's really, if you can find people who believe in you, who you have faith in, you should give them as much responsibility as you can. You should never abdicate, but if you can delegate, please do that, because there is only so much time in the day, and 
is really hard to focus focus like the more you can set yourself up to have if not a fixed schedule at least some kind of blocks of time where you can focus on real problems you can position yourself to actually building systems that work for you you can you can you can build something that you can check why it broke a process that hey this should handle this so i don't ever have to again and then free yourself to go think about something else. There's no reason to have your hands dirty on the wheel, as you say, all the time when plenty of people can drive. Yeah, I loved your responses. Like, it's awesome. That is so often not what I hear. Um, so what, do you, what do you usually hear? I normally hear like, wow, I can't let go because they're not going to do it right. It's going to break. I can't trust anybody else around here. Uh, that's, a, that's that's difficult for a lot of leaders well they, they won't do it like you that's for sure okay. correct they will not do it like you but you know what i have found is um it is really hard to figure out what you actually want done it's pretty easy to do stuff like if you're smart and you're full of energy and you care about getting where you're going which i think most entrepreneurs you know check those boxes you'll probably get it done. And, and, and given the fact that we're, as we just talked about, we're all very comfortable with failure. Failure is rewarded, at least in this country. You just, you just got to keep going. Like you said before, as your wife told you, you got to do something like, and that's in 2008, we didn't have a brilliant idea and go open source. Like that was the first step towards giving up. <laughs> just, well, before we all look for a job at Intel, I guess we should give this away open source, you know? And then it took off, right? So the world kind of gives you back, a, oh, actually, you're good. You don't need a job. Just keep doing this. Like, oh, sweet. We're saved. <laughs> but that was definitely uh, just movement forward is all you need to bring. And that's not new. Everybody knows that. But I think the, the thing that's easy to lose sight of is if you, if you don't take the time to self-examine what it is you're doing that works, and say, okay, let's create very clear systems that automate that and put management of that automation into somebody else's hands and, and create a metric that I can measure, then you will just get stuck moving those levers back and forth for the rest of your life. It'll be somewhat successful. You won't be able to leave it because it's like, oh, I can feel it's going to work, but it will not grow because you can't be everywhere at once. And that's really hard. It took me 15 years, 20 years to realize, oh, that's what I'm not doing. It's, it's kind of applying the engineer's perspective to your own business and your own self. Yeah, when we talked a few months ago, you talked about concept of creating a standalone business that isn't reliant on you. You could step away and the business is still there. Tell me more about that. I'd love to, I'd love to you to share that you know, with folks listening here. For me, that's important now. It wasn't important for me when I was younger. You know, when I was younger, I just wanted to make cool stuff. Like that was, that was literally our vision when we started. We're going to make cool stuff. And we did. That was rewarding in its own way. As you get older, I think that your perspective changes. As we've seen more success with concrete, our, our perspective has changed. You know, we've built something that millions of people have used. There's hundreds of thousands of websites that are actively powered by it today. And it, that starts to feel important to us and, and the team as a whole, like not just me as the owner, but everybody who works at Portland Labs is proud of the fact that like, you know, to some extent we've made a pencil and, and given it away to the world to, to go write their ideas down with. And we're probably not a pencil. I mean, we're not WordPress. They are huge, right? Powers 30% of the web or whatever. But we are a free alternative that does stuff that WordPress doesn't. 
and we're not owned by any company and we don't intend to IPO or sell your private data to advertisers. We don't make any money off of advertising. We, we offer a different model and that's pretty exciting. So for me, there's a responsibility that comes with that kind of opportunity and, and, and the rewards with it. And I, and I want to make what we do last beyond me pulling every lever right? All of a sudden you realize, oh, it'd be really cool if this had legs on its own. And it wasn't just, uh, you know, a way to prove I'm really good at putting out fires, but it was actually infrastructure that kept the world from burning, <laughs> not just frowns running around putting out fires. So like, I can understand that mentality that if I don't do it, it's not going to be the way I would do it. and It's not going to be as good as I can do. And I would just urge back, well, if it's that good, the what you can do, then break it up into parts and think about what it is that you're actually doing and, and help some other people do it the way you do it. So more things can be that good. I love what you're saying there, friends. You're making something which is so much bigger than yourself, which is going to be around a whole lot longer. So I, I, I love that philosophy. If everything is dependent upon you, it can only ever be as big as you. You're, con you're creating a constraint. Yeah, that's right. That's that's the goal. So I'm curious if we sort of look back to you back pre-2008, what advice would you give someone who is starting on that same journey today? Read more. <laughs> it's really easy. Like books, it's amazing. They're like free power-ups, dude. Like it's, they cost like $20, which is nothing. Like you spend that on coffee before the end of the way you used to when you used to be able to go out but 20 bucks you can find there is so much knowledge out there in books and it's so easy when you're young particularly to just be like eh, you know i read books in school and i'm too busy working oh okay i guess you know everything then uh none of us know everything like and things change books are great so given your love of books and the power of books, what are two or three must-reads for someone starting out? Ooh, starting out and and kind of, and heading to where? Starting out from, and, and what are you trying to, yeah, st to learn? Starting out, they're early in their career, they're ambitious. They want to change the web, the whole world, like somebody I was just uh, talking to right here. <laughs> There's there's phases i think you've got to learn just kind of to get comfortable with self-improvement mm -hmm. and and kind of how the world works so there's just some classics right that even though they're ridiculously old you have to do dale carnegie how to win friends and influence people you have to do napoleon hills how to think and grow rich i feel like those are like should be i don't know if there's an mba program that doesn't include them but they all should even though i think what the first one was written in the 30s and the other was in the 50s and they both have weird sections if that's what you'll find here's here's a tip all of these books you know about whether they're about self-improvement or business improvement are going to be cheesy. There's going to be a middle section that's stupid because the author is like a self-promoting entrepreneur. So just some part of it, as I'm sure part of this podcast has, is going to come off as kind of like self-absorbed and a little weird. And, and you'll just have to forge through. So, you know, if, you're, if you've got the paperback, it's okay to flip through a few pages. If you're doing an audible, like explore 2x speed because uh, there will be some stuff that doesn't stick but don't let that you know uh summon the larger wisdom that comes out of some of this stuff that you know there's there's a truth there and you know sometimes the way you're getting it across sticks and sometimes it doesn't 
I really like Chop Wood Carry Water by Joshua Metcalf. If you're looking for something that is super easy to consume, you know, particularly for someone who's just trying to figure out, like, how do I get comfortable with um, just the amount of repetition and kind of practice and comfortable with failure that this is really going to take, Chop Wood Carry Water is, is, is pretty good. It's also short, and it's not really about business. They can find some other metaphor to work with is, is really good. You know, once you kind of get into, okay, I, you know, I know what my, what those books will teach you is how to have a goal, what a goal means. Can do you have like a one sentence statement that you can say in the mirror every morning, noon and night and know that you're going to make that happen in the next five years. You, know, you need that level of confidence in your eventual destination because you're going to fail a lot as you try to try to get there. So I think that's kind of level one with reading that if I were talking to a younger me, I'd be like, just get that figured out because it'll be much less emotional for you as you get through the next 15, 20 years of screwing up. Yeah. Great, great advice. Thanks. This is a journey with ups and downs and resilience, self-awareness, really, really important. So Franz, I mean, you've just shared some terrific advice. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Andy. That's awfully nice of you to say. I don't know how much of it is true or just the fact that I've surrounded myself with smart people and, and keep trying hard. But uh, I appreciate the kind words and, and this has been a pleasure. To learn more about Franz Maruna, Portland Labs and Concrete 5, you can visit them on the web at portlandlabs.com. And to listen to other leaders talking about how they got to where they are today and the steps along the way, go to oyster.team forward slash podcast. You can subscribe to this show at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. And leadership is no accident.